Hi, I'm Leslie Chapman Henderson, President and CEO of Flash, the nonprofit Federal Alliance for Safe Homes. And I'm going to be your host today for our podcast, Strong Homes, Safe Families. This is where we help you prepare for disasters of all kinds. During our show, we're going to share tips, information, and like today, interviews with people who have great knowledge that can help you protect your family and your home before Mother Nature heads your way. Today, we're talking about getting ready for hurricane season, and I'm so delighted to welcome our guest, Dr. Ann Cope. Dr. Cope is the Chief Engineer for the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Welcome. Thanks, Leslie. It's good to see you. Good to see you and talk to you, too. All right, so you really have a fascinating background. Before we get started and talk about all the cool things you guys are doing in your lab, can you tell us about your journey professionally and how it brought you to where you are today? It's funny. I was one of those kids in high school who was like good at math, but didn't really know what they wanted to do. So, you know, if you're out there listening and you're not real sure what you want to do, it's okay. I discovered engineering because um, there wasn't anyone in my family that was an engineer. And so I had to learn about it when I was in high school from other people. So I enrolled at Clemson University and I thought I wanted to be an engineer, but I still wasn't real sure what what kind of engineer I might want it to be. And so I I really had to kind of look around and take some classes and and figure out what was the best fit for me. And I knew it when I found it. Structural engineering is my love and my passion, which I didn't realize until I got to college. But um, seeing how you can turn an architect's vision of what something might be and figure out how to make it work, how the backbone could work and bring it to life and watch it come up out of the ground is just absolutely exactly what I'm all about. And I've taken that uh, here at IBHS, I've gotten a chance to take that one step further in terms of, well, well, not only can we design great buildings that are great fit, great function, great form, but how do we make sure that they last for the, the long duration? How do we make sure that they can stand up to the events that Mother Nature brings, the high winds and the driving hail and the punishing rain, we can absolutely do that. We can make things um, much more resistant to Mother Nature than they might be today or might have been one decade ago or one generation ago. And that is my passion. Wow. And and I can just hear it in your voice. And from having the, the privilege of working with you, I know that it's true. So like you, we share a mission focused on disaster resilience. And when we try to break it down into the pieces and the functioning parts of disaster resilience, we always like to try to talk about it in three main buckets. One is science, one is policy, and the other, of course, is the practice and the things that we do, hopefully mostly before, sometimes after the fact, to to bring um, that bounce back factor into play for people and make them resilient. So as we we talk today, I want to start with science which is clearly the right place to begin to talk to you about and find out what are some of the things you guys are doing at IBHS the past few years, you know, what's on the table, what's on the drawing board, what is it that's got you guys excited that you're learning in that beautiful lab of yours? Well, the most fascinating thing um, that we can do is is by taking houses and um, commercial buildings in their entirety. So a full-size house, a you know, small commercial building, like your your mom and pop local corner store, by being able to put that whole thing into our wind facility and then, you know, drive up that driving rain and punishing wind and 
and see what happens and what happens first and then what happens after that. Being able to do that has led us to all kinds of discoveries that that when you first look at them, they might be kind of small, like it's all about the garage door or you can shut all of your interior doors and make a difference. But I find that to be incredibly empowering because we we are not powerless against these storms that Mother Nature brings. We can find the things that we can do, even to the buildings that already exist. We can find ways to make new buildings much stronger, but we can find ways to retrofit and make small changes to the buildings that we already live in to make them stronger. Did you just say that shutting my doors before a hurricane on the inside of my house is something that makes a difference? Isn't that amazing? It is true. And uh, that's one of those funny things about science is that if you had asked me that question before we did that particular set of research that led to that discovery, my guess would have been, well, I don't think, you know, interior doors are kind of small and flimsy, Leslie. I don't think that's going to (laughs) work. Um, you know, that would have been my guess, but but that's the beautiful thing about science is that you get a chance to just experiment and play around with it. And we did the math. We had the sensors in a regular home. We shut different types of doors and we broke windows and allowed the wind to come in. And we absolutely found out that if you shut all the interior doors, And then let's say a a branch hits a window and you get the wind into the one bedroom in the back corner of the house. By shutting the interior doors, you can keep Mother Nature into that one place that she has intruded and prevent a just swath going through your entire house and trying to lift a roof off. That's incredible. And I don't believe, although I know you guys have started really pushing that message out since that, what year was that? research done just recent right a couple years well it was you know i was really excited about that because we were in the test chamber doing the work as hurricane irma was barreling towards florida and we realized that we had the finding and we rushed it to get out the door and tell people shut the doors shut the doors against hurricane irma shut all your interior doors i mean we moved that message out of the lab in less than a week and it was incredible. And, and people took action. I mean, it gives me chills even today to know that we we made it so quickly from, oh, my gosh, this is real, to quick, get that on social media and tell people that they can take an action that might have saved a couple of roofs. You know, because when the, when the wind busts through a window and gets into your house, it is now trying to blow your house up like a balloon and take the roof off. So the shutting of the interior doors is a really um, powerful thing that you can do. And it's, you know, as you're evacuating, shut all the doors. That's amazing. And in all the years, I'm kind of, you know, I think we've talked before. We're friends. I'm a grandma. So I've been doing this a long time. That is something I had never heard before. That is, that's breaking news in the disaster safety space. (laughs) That's just fantastic. And um, for our listeners, I want to mention that we will be putting up some links to the information that Anna's talking about and some of the different visuals in her beautiful lab. I want you to talk about the lab for a few minutes, and then we're going to come back and talk about another kind of door. Oh, absolutely. So our lab is, um, oh, it's fantastic. I really enjoy working there. Um, And it is a one of a kind. 
It's a large test chamber where we can we can roll in full-size homes uh, for our grand opening, which was 10 years ago. We're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. So back in 2010, we rolled two full-size two-story houses side-by-side into the test chamber for our grand opening. You know, there's just nothing like it at that scale. We have 105 electric fans. Each of the fans is a 150 horsepower motor and it's just, excuse me, 350 horsepower motor. And they together, they uh, use a lot of electrical energy. It's like turning on a small town um, because it's it's more than 8,000 single family homes all turning their air conditioner on at the same time is the type of electrical power that this facility requires to be able to run. We can recreate a Category 3 hurricane. We can create wind-driven rain up to like eight inches per hour of driving rain. We can make hail. You know, it's funny. I like to tell people we we, we don't do locusts and plague, um, but we do we do all of these other things. And so it's, it's really just a, anybody who's ever like built a sandcastle and then looked at it and smashed it with their foot would love to work at this facility because we are constantly building and tearing things apart and trying to figure out how they work so that we can make them better. That's fabulous. That is just so fabulous. And I'm just so excited about the takeaways for people just to, to shut the door. So let's talk about another kind of door. The weather service has been telling us and, and on the ground again, after all these years that I've been going up almost ooh, 35. <laughs> That's a part, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I shouldn't probably admit that, but it's okay. One of the things we see is that garage doors have, um, they can be the beginning of the end for a home in a high wind event or hurricane or tornado. And so you guys have done some new work in that area and learned some new things. Can you share that with us? Yeah, definitely. So there's a strong correlation between if you lose the garage door the amount of wind pressure that gets in and then tries to take your roof off is really strong. And we found the opposite too, that if you look from a bird's eye view and you look down and you see a home that has roof damage, structural roof damage because of a high wind event, 90% of those homes have a damaged garage door. It's a really strong tie. This, And when you think about it, I mean, the garage is a large opening on your home. And if the wind is getting in there, it's trying to barrel through the rest of your house. And it's absolutely trying to take the roof off above the garage. So keeping the garage door in place and undamaged so that it stands up strong against those high winds can have a huge impact on the survivability of the rest of the house or the damage that occurs to the rest of the house. So we talked to people about garage doors and, you know, good old fashioned routine maintenance, tracks, rollers, et cetera. What are the other, and we, you know, people get confused about wind resistant versus impact resistant, and then there are different levels. How can people sort all that out? What would you tell your neighbor or your cousin that isn't really looking at these things about what kind of garage door they should be looking for if they live in an area prone to high wind. Absolutely. And and right now it's a little bit hard to tell because there's not a requirement that they be labeled, which we'll talk about when we get to the policy bucket that is changing. 
if you're walking outside to your garage right now and you're like, what do I look for? First and foremost, look to see if there is a sticker on that door that gives you the wind pressure rating. And so if you have a sticker that shows you the wind pressure rating and it'll, it'll say, you know, some number and then it'll say PSF, which is pounds per square foot. If it has that sticker on it, chances are it's a strong and wind rated door because they wouldn't have put the sticker on it if they didn't have something to tell you. So if you've got a sticker, that's a great sign. The other thing that you want to look for is just like you said, make sure the track's in good condition and, and whatnot. Make sure it's not pulling around all flimsy. And look at the connectors that are holding the track to the wall, because we've seen that that is a weak link. The track may look good and the garage may roll up and down real well, but if it's not properly connected to the wall, it can bust open in a high wind event. So look for those things. If you're not sure, uh, there are kits that you can buy from the big box stores to convert a regular door into a a wind rated door. You can also um, get a hold of a a professional, you know, call the company that that inspects the doors and ask them about retrofitting your door because it is a, a, it's a really big piece of your house. And so if you can't find a sticker, if you're not sure about how that's connected to the wall, consider having a garage door company come out and take a look at it and see what kind of condition it's in. Wow, that's great advice. All right, so let's talk about something that we like. We all love to talk about, but when we do, the public looks at us and says, what the heck is that? Soffits. Oh, right. Yeah, soffits. So if you're standing at your front door and you look up, the roof probably sticks out a little bit. The roof sticks out like a like a hat with a bill. You know, it just sticks out a little bit from your the rest of your house. And if you look up there, you might see something that's, in most cases, it's white. It might be vinyl. It might be aluminum. But that's like uh, the screen door to your attic, right? It, because it, it breathes. It allows air in and out. And it's the piece that prevents bugs and critters and stuff from crawling through that part where your roof sticks out to get up into your attic. And that area right there is called the soffit. Nice. And what happens with soffits in high wind events? I know we had a lot of experience with them in 2004 in Hurricane Charlie. And unfortunately, after looking at the findings from Hurricane Michael in 2018, 14 years later, it looks like we still have some work to do on soffits. Is that is that been your observation? Are you guys researching anything with soffits? Yes, that's a good observation um, because it's kind of a, it, it's just a small detail on your house. And those little panels there that that let the air in and out and keep the critters out, they can easily become dislodged by high winds. And so if you you rip off that soffit piece, now you're letting all of that wind-driven rain into your attic. It really keeps it out. And then when you rip it off, then here it comes all barreling into your attic, which can lead to water intrusion through the rest of your house. So it's an important piece and often overlooked. You know, it's easy to get to either do it yourself or um, if you're not very handy, hire a handyman or something to do it right before hurricane season, go take a look and, and, you know, just gently touch the soffit and make sure that it's secured in there good. And if it's not, you can easily get just a couple of screws and whatnot from your big box store and, and make sure that you secure it so that you don't lose those pieces in a high wind event. That is so great. And your descriptions are so helpful. 
I mean, that is really, you know, I think that um, you've demystified soffits for our listeners. So we really appreciate it. All right. So before we move away from the lab into um, a couple other areas, I want to ask, what is on your drawing board? Or if you had a magic wand, what would you be looking at right now? research-wise? What's the great unconquered? Really, the unconquered piece is for people to know what's behind the wall. If I truly had a magic wand and I had no budget limitation, no barrier whatsoever, I would figure out a way for people to have a much better understanding of what they're buying when they buy a structure. You know, does it have all the nails in it? Does it have all the anchorage connections in it? And because that's really hard to do, What we're trying to do instead is figure out how do we make that super easy for builders and craftsmen to install so that the likelihood that everything has been installed properly is really, really high. That is one of the things that we are really trying to figure out from a research and science perspective. How do we pick the things that are easiest to make sure that we do well? Oh, that makes a ton of sense. You know, just um, that way you could get more consistency, which, as we all know, is one of the greatest challenges with site-built homes, especially when they're framed. Okay, so what about tech? Are there technology, you know, everything around the home, there's a smart control for our thermostat. Um, we recently interviewed participants, talked to us about shutters and how you can control them with your smartphone if you're out of town. What about tech? Are there things that are that you guys are seeing or are touching that can have um, implications? And if you want to get your magic wand back out here. Oh, yeah. I jumped for the magic wand earlier, didn't I? We're seeing some good stuff about how how do you know what's behind the walls In terms of tech, you know, we're seeing people able to take a better look at their property because they're using drones. You know, people are using drones and you can send it up. Yeah, you can send it up there and, and take a bird's eye view of your roof and you might notice something. I think it's really where I see opportunities is not in the big, gigantic, you know, pie in the sky, new stuff. But, but how can just everyday people use something they already have, like the fun drone that they got last Christmas, and, you know, just <laughs> run it around the neighborhood or, you know, run it around your house and your yard and, and take a look and think to yourself, what's going to fly? You know, if 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 a big storm came through here, yeah. you know, what's going to fly? And so it's really just a practical use of tech that already exists that I think could really help people the most. Oh, and that's fantastic. That is just, that's so useful. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the amazing things that are happening on the science front and how you guys are really bringing solutions forward. One of the um, most important conveyors of all these types of insights is when we can get them into public policy. So what are some of the things that you um, see that are important on the public policy front that support hurricane resilience? Oh, yeah. So we've done some amazing work this past cycle in the building code arena. You and I have been working together on this, Leslie, both in the Florida building code as well as the I-codes. And we got some great things coming up um, that'll be part of the codes when they roll out uh, December 31st of this year and become effective January 1st. Uh, 2021. The most important, which in my opinion, is that sealed roof deck. A sealed roof deck is something that you put underneath the asphalt shingles. So you don't see it 
um, when you're just looking at your house, you don't see it, but it's an added layer of protection underneath the shingles to keep the water out, you know, in case a big high wind event comes and rips off your shingles. And we have seen that a sealed roof deck can reduce the amount of water that comes in by up to 95% compared to your typical roof that doesn't have a sealed roof deck. It's amazing how well these things work. 95%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So uh, here's a couple of numbers for you. If you have a roof that is damaged and has lost asphalt shingles and it's exposed, 60% of the rain that hits that roof is going to go into the attic. And so, you know, if your normal conventional roof deck without the sealed roof deck is exposed to the rain, 60% of the rain is coming into your attic. So if you have a normal 2000 square foot roof, that is 750 gallons of rain for every inch of rain that falls. And to put that one more way, for every inch of rain that falls on a normal 2000 square foot roof, you're getting nine bathtubs of water into your attic. Can you say that? I know, I know it's crazy. Um, 2000 square foot roof, one inch of rainfall, nine bathtubs of water into your attic if your roof is totally unprotected. Oh my goodness. That was a very common occurrence in Hurricane Charlie. I remember being inside homes that the ceilings were completely full. Oh yeah. And this is something that um, we have seen this in a couple of different um, FEMA post-disaster investigation reports where the finding is, is calling for somebody to investigate better underlayment or better protection or keep out the water. You know, it might be phrased a little different, whether it's from the Irma report or the Michael report, but we got to keep the water out. And um, we got that through for the 2021 Florida Building Code and for the um, 2021 I codes in the high wind areas. So you previously mentioned that during our policy focus, you wanted to talk a little bit about garage doors. Yes, also super excited about this. So in 2021 codes, and you know what? This is a great example of collaboration. The Door and Access System Manufacturers Association, DASMA, was absolutely involved and a proponent. They are the ones who said, we need to do this. We need to label our products. DASMA is stepping forward and they're going to label all of these garage doors with a permanent marking so that people can tell what kind of door they have. When will that be in place in the market? So um, DASMA is working with their um, member companies, those who make these doors. Um, Some of them are already making doors now with the markings and it'll be required for that 2021 code enforcement. That's great. I think that the home is almost the last unconquered when it comes to the level of consumer transparency that we really need. And everything that's done like that is really going to help, you know, change that. And I think the more information and and just using tech and creating information that's accessible, you know, even if it's just digitally through the internet, we'll definitely, as part of this, want to put some pictures up with, you know, a little bit of a guidance so people can tell what they're looking for with the stickers because maybe they have one already um, and some of the other cues from some of um, your materials and ours will combine them and, and put them out there. All right, so in our last area, when we talk about the practice of disaster resilience, you know, what we do 
It's focused on things like this, communication, outreach, knowledge, and learning um, together. So I wanted to talk with you about that too, because you guys have been doing some very interesting work along this front as well in the social science. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important. I mean, I could write all the boring journal papers in the world. And if if nobody (laughs) sees them, um, then I haven't really accomplished anything. So it's, it's like you said, Leslie, it's so important to not only find the findings, but to shine that light, make sure people know about it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. So before we close out, is there any other message? I know that at IBHS, you guys do more than even though we're talking today about hurricanes. I know you do a lot of exciting research about all different types of natural disasters and kind of thinking past all of the work you do. Is there any kind of message you know, if you could just make that automatic transmittal of a message to people who live in harm's way, whether it's wildfire or tornadoes, hurricanes or flood, is there is there something from your experience that you want to kind of leave them? Yeah, you know, the, the big takeaway that I want people to know is that you are not powerless against Mother Nature. Absolutely not. This is not something to just throw up your hands and say, oh, well, you know, uh, no, no, no. There are absolutely things that you can do no matter um, how big or small your house is, no matter what your budget is, no matter the peril that you face. This is not overwhelming. Take it one small step at a time. Find out what your hazard is, wildfire, hail, hurricane, high wind. Take one step. You know, just take that one step and do one thing. And before you know it, you'll next year take another step. Uh, Don't throw up your hands and say it's impossible. It is not. Wow. That is so encouraging, especially from somebody with, you know, your background and experience and all the things you've learned. I think that's very inspirational. And I want to thank you. So thank you very much to Dr. Ann Cope, Chief Engineer of the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. And thank you, everybody, for listening to our episode of Strong Homes, Safe Families. We want you to visit us at hurricanestrong.org and make sure you access our free checklist and information about the many affordable do-it-yourself things that you can do to protect your family and home this season and every hurricane season. Our content is available in English as well as in Spanish. And if you get stuck, you can call us toll free at 877-221-SAFE. That's 877-221-7233. And if we get stuck, we'll be calling (laughs) Dr. Ann Cope because she clearly has a lot of great information that we'll be looking forward to sharing with you on the show notes from this podcast as well. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, share, and give us a review on iTunes. Until next time, thank you for being here.